This is part two of my conversation with JP, John Paul Craven, the legendary Leeds-based record buyer and seller. If you missed the first part, it shouldn't be too hard to find. Just jump back into your podcast feed and yeah, it'll be there. Uh, but if you're here for the second part, welcome. Buckle yourself in. Let's get cracking. Hi, JP. So I'm messaging from the gorgeous Epping Forest. It's a bit cold and damp today, but uh, still just spellbinding here. So you might hear the odd tweet or croak. But I wanted to message because I wanted to ask you, we've been talking about collections and I was really intrigued by the, the relationship you have with many of the dealers that you work with at your fairs and I want you to tell me a story. I want you to tell me the time that you saw the ultimate collection, whether it was for sale or not, but whether you visited someone and, you know, they've got the collection to end all collections. And I want you just to tell us about that a bit. You don't have to name any names or go into specifics, but yeah, I just want to hear about that collection that you've seen, which is just the one that makes you think that, I wish I owned that. So let us know. Okay, Joel. Uh, I mean, collections-wise, probably one of the one of the most amazing that I've uh, seen at, at any record fair. Um, there was a seller about fifteen years ago who had bought the uh, all the ITV um, companies, so Granada, Carlton, all, yeah, all those were all merged together, and they bought the entire. Uh, library and it was all pristine uh, demos promos uh, I mean it was just absolutely phenomenal I mean it was the, it was kind of the um, at the time it was like how on earth am I going to be able to get enough money to buy things that I want you know for myself really I mean that was you know that, that kind of t, you know TV library collection it's just like wow you know and I guess there will have been other people who had bought before but I got some really nice bits and pieces from it kind of 60s um beat and psych sevens that you know i've i've not seen since and would i you know would i see them again um i mean other collections at, at my fairs you know some of the sellers who we've had there have been doing uh by have been buying and selling for you know or you know 40 50 years and as a result as they're kind of getting towards an age they let things go from their own collection, um, which can be quite nice. You know, things things appear on the open market. I mean, there's quite a lot of you know you know sellers with phenomenal collections who probably do similar to ourselves, where they've bought and sold in order to buy things that they want themselves, or you know, if a collection's come in and there's something they want from it, they've you know kept it or they've upgraded their own copies. So those are always quite nice. Um, I mean, as well, record fairs in the UK are one thing, but when you go over to Utrecht, it is a, a, a mind-blowing um, experience. Um, I went in 2013. I remember we, uh, you can drive right into the venue. You got out of the venue and there was somebody's back wall display and it was on the, on the wall display was every absolutely massive um, LP that you've ever, ever wanted, ever read about, and there they were. And you went to one stall and it was, that that's how it was, all the, all the biggies, you know, July, uh, 
Andromeda, Ambrose Slade, all those Ben, you know, the big swirl vertigos, all those, re you know, really um, sought after LPs. And then you go two stalls down and it's the same there. So it's almost like you think, wow, all these amazing rare records must just come to, you know, Utrecht. I mean, if, if money was no object, you would be wanting to go there and, um, and you know, buy, you could buy basically anything that you'd ever wanted there. It's almost like a kind of Willy Wonka um, chocolate factory kind of thing for records. It, it's just in, incredible. Um, you, you know, you're looking around, I mean, you get kind of, you get almost um, record blindness because, you know, you see something and if you don't buy it, there's every chance that you won't be able to find that stall again. It is so big. I mean, that really is kind of an incredible experience if you if you love buying and selling records as well. It's just, it's phenomenal. You know, it, I mean, it's such a, sh a shame that because of Brexit, um, that experience has probably been lost where people can go um, from the UK and sell, you know, all over without any, any hassle. It really is a shame because it's just it's just fantastic. So yeah, I mean, in answer to your questions, really, I mean, I think you know the, the, this collections when some, when a big library collection um, comes out, it's almost like whoa. And I think we all dream to get you know something like that or to come across those. But quite often they will you know you, when somebody gets one, it's like you know pat on the back time and think well wow, um, you know. Hope you're hoping that you know you, you might be able to get some of the some of the crumbs there for yourself. Really, probably the best kind of collection that I bought, and not really with a view to selling. Although I did end up selling a couple of the bits from it. I um, like you, like you do quite often, um, especially with rare things. I won a single off eBay uh, by a band called uh, Wimple Winch uh, called Save My Soul, and. The seller was over in uh, just outside Blackpool, so because it was quite a rare one, and because it was, it's always nice to have a bit of a day trip out somewhere like that. I went over to collect it, and he said, "I've got, I've actually got some more records here." So I went into the into the uh, house, um, and he got the he got a box out, a little record box. I mean, he had, I think he actually had a very similar record player to yourself. So I thought, well, he's obviously quite quite into his records and stuff and he said yeah i got these uh i got these at a car boot sale uh, for about 40 quid off of a um uh, someone who used to be work for phillips which would have distributed quite a lot of the records that were in the box so he opened the box and let me just remember what was in there so there was Fleur-de-Lis circles which is another absolute monster seven inch single uh there was Craig, I Must Be Mad. Um, there was two copies of Wimple Winch's other single, which is um, Rumble on Mersey Square South. Um, and that, and one of those actually had an, the much-wanted alternative B-side. So it was like, oh, my God. And he's got them out on like a jewellery mat, handling them with gloves. So I thought, well, yeah, he's, he's seriously into this. And um, he, he said, yep. Um, he got, you know, I think I think he priced them using an old record collector price guide, so the prices were were pretty good. So I was kind of 
right, okay, where's the nearest bank to you? Uh, I'll take those. I will come and get those uh, next time, which he was able to do. I mean, stuff like that. When when you see like a run of things um, and you're just like, oh my God, this is just like amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was great for me. I was happy. He was happy with what was what I paid. I, you know, still got all the records in my collection. And I think um, I was able to move one of the Wimplewind singles on that I had, which kind of helped chip away at the bill there. But that's probably um, probably the best one I've, I've got for myself. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, it's just one of them where you wish you'd have been the, the guy picking them up at the car boot sale. But I think that would be far too lucky. I, d I don't think... Um, I don't think I get lucky enough, really, with that. But who knows? Yeah, I don't do boot sales. I think for that reason, um, I think maybe like you, I'm a bit fortunate where I can be the second person along, despite having to pay that bit more. Um, I don't want to be up all those early mornings and getting there for everyone else and all the elbow bashing. And I, I, um, it's a lot of frogs to kiss. I imagine doing boot sales and a lot of early mornings. Um, but I can imagine some of the characters you meet are interesting. But listen to that story it reminded me of the time I was seeing a collection under someone's stairs. I had a flashlight on my phone and it was just piles and piles of records and a lot of very, very good stuff. A lot of uh, American beat, actually. A lot of American, uh, British-inspired stuff. A lot of psych, a lot of proke, a lot of folk. And I'm going through all these records and then I see it. Vashley Bunyan's Just Another Diamond Day. And then swiftly followed by... Space Oddity, UK First Press and Stereo, and you're just like, this is it. This is a once in every five years collection. We did a deal, cost me a tremendous amount of money, but fortunately the ones I kept, the ones I sold paid for the ones I kept. Um, oh, it's, a, it's a nice feeling, isn't it? Um, they don't come around often, but when they do, it certainly fills you up with joy long enough until the next one comes along. Hey, JP. Um... I saw a collection yesterday. It's been on my mind since, and yeah, I just thought I'd share it with you. Um, it was a real tough viewing, and, and not just because the collection wasn't great and not in great condition. There's a few things, but you know, lots of scratches and marks. But the people seemed very, very desperate for the money. Um, and I found myself in that really challenging position of not being able to make an offer. Um, and it's really been on my mind since. I I feel like it's been more, I've seen more collections like this recently, not necessarily the collections, but the people. And I'm wondering if this is something that's occurred to you that you've seen a little bit more um, recently as well. Yeah, really tough, it's been playing on my mind ever since. You know, just this sort of stuck feeling of not quite knowing what to do. Hi Joel, um, yeah, I think without, yeah, I think the current, um, Current climate has made people very, very kind of looking at what they own and thinking, I need to get rid of this. And, you know, with bills such as electricity, gas going up so much and things that you actually really need. I mean, we might say, you know, you need to have your records and obviously, you know, you do. But for some people, it's like, well, if I don't get rid of this, I'm not going to be able to pay, you know, this bill. And I do think it's it does seem to be, be like that. Um, I guess the best way to look at it, I mean, obviously, because you're a decent guy and like the majority of us are, um, you're going to feel um, 
uh, you know, you're going to feel sorry for it. But what I try and do in those kind of circumstances is you've got to look at it objectively as well. You've got to think, right, well, you know, if I'm going to buy this collection, can I can I make my money back? I mean, what, what I do if, if people are kind of, you know, struggling and I don't really want to buy the collection, I will help them as much as I can um, to let them, you know, find the best avenue to get rid of it. So I would say, look, I'm probably not going to be able to sell sell these because I sell them individually um, and I think the conditions aren't great. However, if you were to go put them as a job lot on eBay or an auction house or something like that, you know, with a few photos, um, I'm sure you would get a decent return on them and it's nice and quick and easy and you'd get more than you're able to offer. And then that way, you know, you've, you've kind of tried to help them as much as you can. Um, it is tough. I mean, it's not, it's not good. I mean, I've, you know, you know, there's been times where you've, you think, you know, people really, you know, having to, you know, sell things that they've had a long time. I just guess, I guess all you can really do is just, you know, be as fair as you can. But at the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, I, I, you know, there's a certain amount I've got to make on some on something for it to be worthwhile. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. It can be, it can be tough. It's one of the, you know, the tough things about the job because, um, you know, if you if you're you know, if you're a human being, you know. You're gonna feel for people. It's just, just, just how it is, I guess. JP, it's Joel. It's Sunday. I'm off to see two collections. Well, actually, one I've already bought and I'm picking up. But before then, I'm off to see this collection. Someone just messaged me. He's he's moved out of the country and he's left his box of records with his sister. And I can already imagine his sister, some years later, saying, "Please get rid of your records." And the email gave me that tone, which was like, "I need to sell these. Come buy them." which is always a nice thing to hear. So I'm going to go see them now. It's about 13, 14 boxes, all uh, all full of 70s until early noughties. That's all I know. And I thought, oh, God, it's worth a shot. So that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to let you know how I get on on the way home. So we'll talk a bit. Ah, uh, JP, I think we've, we've talked about this before, perhaps not on the podcast, but elsewhere, where you feel like some people kind of lure you in to see a collection of records by saying one thing on the phone and then when you arrive it being something not what you had expected i very distinctly remember speaking to this person on the phone and them talking about it being a mixture of lps and singles and how it was a mixture of genres but it was an avid collection until the early 2000s and all it was was just a really awfully average collection of disco dance a little bit of hip-hop 12 inch singles i saw one cure album but had that thing that a lot of dj collections have which is the horrible dog ears opening side just all all really really disappointing actually because uh, it wasn't necessarily close it's a, an hour out of uh, my way each way and we all know they're soft in this um, game is a little bit of a gamble but yeah i knew within moments of arriving that this collection was not what was uh, eluded out on the phone disappointed and I, i'm understating when i say disappointed i could be going for walking up in forest right now anyway on to the next one which i'm just uh, picking up um so i already know what i'm going to get but now i'm just feeling a little bit pessimistic on the condition but uh, yeah i'll check in later hey joel uh, it's, uh dj collect collections are always a bit of a nightmare i mean i dj'd and made a living out of it for you know over 10 years and but i always saw myself as a record collector who got to dj so i always 
really looked after my records, but I, you know, would work with them other DJs and that certainly wasn't always the case and they you know use them as the tools of the trade which is what they are um, I find when I've you know I'm always a little bit when you get the kind of mobile DJ phone call you think I you know the, it'll just be loads of pop if it's one who did like weddings discos all that kind of thing um, you know that a lot of the records in there are going to be big chart hits that will be played you know over and over again, you know, really one out copy of Come Out, Come On Eileen. Um, however, sometimes you might get something in there if they stuck with vinyl until the kind of mid 90s, you might have some, you know, quite hard to find um, seven inch singles from like the uh, from the mid 90s that can sometimes, you know, make it worth your while. But because they made a living from it, they see it as being, um, you know, fairly valuable. But when in, in reality, th those are just going to fill up your cheap boxes, really. Um, a lot of DJ, you know, very, very precious about the records as well. But you, as a record dealer, you look at it from, from the condition side and, you know, condition is king, effectively. Um, so, yeah, it is always a little bit disappointing. As well, it's the thing, I think maybe it's the home and away um, advantage. You've always got the home advantage when people come to see you at a shop or at your house because they've brought them to you. So immediately you're a little bit on the front foot, I, I find. Um, uh, whereas when you go away, you know, sometimes you might say, think to yourself, I, I've, I need to justify actually spending this time coming here. You know, is there something in it? And when really you think about it and you think, no, this collect I'm just going to walk away on this sometimes. Hey, Joel, uh, just uh, thought, I thought I'd uh, send you a message based on uh, something that kind of happened yesterday um, and just see how what your experience um, is with this as well, if this is something. Um, so I listed quite a rare um, single on my Discogs and I put it on for like a, a decent, well, a decent price for it. I mean, obviously it's still expensive at um, £350 and somebody messaged me asking for pictures, uh, which I sent to them and they kind of made me like a low ball offer on it of like £150. Now, Obviously, it's one of those where, you know, you get offered, you know, I, I, I'm a bit, I guess when I'm buying, um, if something doesn't have a price and then people ask you to make an offer, you know, you'll obviously make an offer. But generally, I, you, you, when I'm buying a collection, I try and be pretty much near enough what I'm, what I'm happy to pay there because there's always the chance that um, if I... Uh, you know, if I if I was going really low, they might just go, well, that's just an insult. I'm um, see you later. But um, yeah, um, do you have much? Um, ex do you have, or has it happened many times where, you know, you you list something for sale and somebody makes you an uh, an offer that is, you know, quite a lot lower than what you've got it priced at, and um, you know, how does it you know make you feel when when that happens? Um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's one of them, I guess. I mean, I, what I do find is when, I've, when I have kind of, um, you know, sold kind of rare items, um, that quite often when I've had really, you know, low offers for those items, it's because somebody's buying them and they just wanted to sell, they wanted to sell them. It's not like they're wanting to get it at a really good price to get, to keep in the collection. They're thinking, great i want i want to make make that on it and it's just yeah it's just something that obviously must happen i mean i kind of politely uh, declined 
um, the offer because you know if you've just listed something you would hope that you know you might come down a little bit more but you just hope that they um, you know you want to try and hold out a little bit before you happen to do that but yeah just really to ask you know you know how do you how do you find when that happens because it is something I guess you know it's something that, that affects quite a lot of sellers you know everybody wants to get records at good prices um, and it's how how you find when that happens anyway I'll speak to you soon morning JP I am just uh, collecting my discog orders for the day to do my postage and I heard your message and yeah I, I have that I guess about once a week people messaging saying can I uh, can I have that very lovely expensive single or record for half the price or and you know I just um, I think it all depends on what kind of mood I'm in maybe they think that you're going to come back with a counter offer and there's somewhere to be done in the middle other times I'm just like no <laughs> it's like I've put it up it's been up for less than 12 hours and you're asking for 200 pound off it ain't gonna happen um, but then I must admit if I've had something on the shelf for a couple of years and someone asks for half the price and I go well look I can't do half the price but I can do this and if you're local you can come pick it up and we can do something off platform you know it's uh, it's like that really but I agree I think some people and actually I know of some people who scour discogs making offers continuously on records that they want to flip and the margins are I think uh, are potentially there but it all depends on the amount of uh, return uh, amount of people get back to them so there's a business in that uh, look, as you know there's a business in everything when it comes to records but it's not how I like to do business you know I'm like you when I go see a collection um, I'm more fearful of under offering than over offering and the times I've offered them a collection <laughs> and the, and the person's gone really that much and I go I'll gladly offer you less <laughs> please don't make it so obvious I've given you so much money um, but you know I'm, I'm basing the offer on what I think I'll make a return on and you know sometimes I even get that wrong of course we do once you get them home and they're all crackly and scratch you go well I really buggered that up but yeah no I hear you um, but yeah I'm uh, just sorting out my discog orders um, uh, nothing too uh, too fantastic this this morning but uh, yeah it's the start of the week and um, it's a long one ahead John Paul, I just had to share with you this experience that I've just had uh, with a phone call, a video call I just had with someone. I'm buying their record collection. And this is the most I've ever spent on a record collection that I've not seen, uh, apart from photos and some videos. And it's uh, it's because it's up in Perth, in, in Scotland, and I'm based down here in Essex. And I wasn't going to have a chance to go see them. But I so happened to have a friend who's driving through and he said, I can pick them up for you, can drive them to you. So I feel very nervous, which I think is natural. It's a considerable amount of uh, money, four figures, uh, but it's a very nice collection of jazz, fusion, prog, Canterbury scene, some nice folk. So uh, I thought if I do this, I really want to be reassured. And I set up a video call with the owner and almost instantly all my fears were were put to one side when I ended up having just the most incredible 
in-depth conversation with this wonderful, happy, cheerful music lover who he says he doesn't play the records anymore and he doesn't need them. He has the music, he's ripped them, he has Spotify, etc. But ah, it's, it was just such a pleasure. And, you know, when I buy someone's record collection, I love to speak to the owners. I love to hear the stories. And, and he was away up hearing all the stories and he was telling me how he saw the Sex Pistols in uh, uh, in Scotland back in, in the 70s and how he would see the associates in the local boozer and and yeah and as well as just being reassured that this was a genuine collection a genuine person who's not going to rip me off I also just got this feeling that it was someone who was happy that their record collection was going to go to somewhere a good home and that's you know something I strive to do here at my record shop so I was so nervous, so nervous that I was about to hand over a lot of money and either not see the records or feel that I'm dealing with someone who doesn't care. And I feel very reassured that my money's going to a good place and I'm going to get a wonderful record collection. So it was a lovely experience. I had to share that. Hey, Joel, just getting back to you on that. That sounds great. Um, the stories, I think, that, you know, make make the job, make the de- make the deals, really. I mean, sometimes it can be that it could take a couple of hours, you know, when you've chatted to somebody and, um, you know, discovered, because it is, it's fascinating, especially, I mean, we're a kind of similar, you know, within a couple of years, a similar age. Um, So a lot of the kind of experiences that people who are kind of, say, 20, 30, 40 years older than us have is that they're bound to have seen a lot of acts originally um, and you know that's why they have those records so it's fascinating to hear and um, it's also you know you, at the back of your mind you're thinking you know will there be somebody chatting to me in 30 40 years about you know seeing you know whoever saw in the 90s onwards you know it's it's quite it's you know it's quite it's great and it is uh, buying off lovely people is the most rewarding part of the job i think because you can you know you can buy and sell records and you know i i think i've said i might have said this before but i think the best record collections i've ever bought have come from the loveliest people and they understand what you why you are doing what you're doing and they've come to you and quite often although you kind of as as a dealer who buys themselves attach a great um importance to you know records and collecting and things so some people they just want the space and they know that you've got to you know you've got a living to you know to run so they just they understand that and you know as long as you're fair fair with them they are more than happy and when you are fair your number ends up getting passed around and people say oh i've heard that you were you know really fair with the you know so it is it is really good it's some of the kind of job satisfaction it's quite interesting you used to mention you know yeah, the guy who you bought off at um, um, Wetting the Associates and stuff. I bought a, a copy of the first Associates single, which uh, which was like a private press thing off uh, on a label called Double Hip. And it was bought off somebody who knew Billy McKenzie at the time. And, you know, he was kind of telling me all about him, which was like, that's absolutely, that's, you know, fascinating. You know, when that connection with something in, in its infancy or first single time, is is amazing and um yeah it really is it's it is it's kind of you know i i I think even people who have done this a long time um you know are still blown away by 
the story, you know, the stories that come from the music industry or even the grassroots level, people going to see the gigs, it, it really does make it a, a, a really um, wor worthwhile and rewarding um, job to do. Uh, yesterday was a, a good day for me. I've, um, as well as obviously running the uh, Broodnell Record Fair and uh, buying and selling online, I've been doing a couple of couple of days a week uh, back where I um, worked for ten years uh, vinyl vinyl tap in Huddersfield. Um, so that's been really nice to kind of go back over um, and kind of you know do do stuff there, and you know similar to you know. Um, you know, as as a kind of shop and an online retailer, I mean, I'd probably say they're one of you know the, the biggest you know one of the biggest operations in in the UK. You know, the the kind of volume of collections that comes in and the things that you know, I mean, over my time there, the things that I'd seen were just an invaluable um, education, really. Um, I mean, I, I kind of like read things like Record Collector from from about the age of 10, when I, dis I remember discovering it on a trip down to London and it kind of opened a completely new world. I went from, you know, somebody who bought pop records or, you know, was into into bands of discovering, well, you know, this is how, how you, you know, you know, you can read about all the kind of minute detail about about that. And um, yeah, it, to be able to see a lot of those records in the flesh um, was, you know, in, incredible really for me um you know so i've seen you know I, I, things like acetates that you'd only have dreamed about over the years um, mega rarities and obviously you know working alongside people with amazing um product knowledge and you know it really you know it, it is it's great really and and people who are, have always been happy to kind of share that knowledge and i, I like to think with you know with this kind of thing i'm always open to you know if anybody asks me a question on something you know another seller i'll always try and help them because i do i do think you know there's more than enough records to go around um to sell and if we can help people out you know um with that knowledge um so that they you know not necessarily you know they don't buy a collection that's not quite right or what have you then you know i'm always happy to help people out you know with knowledge um but yeah, I mean, it was quite good. Uh, I, I was, I was like, you know, going through a, you know, Beatles LP collection yesterday. There was kind of, you know, you pull the revolver out and it's uh, Dash One, uh, Tomorrow Never Knows, Remix Eleven. You know, so it's kind of, you know, it's nice seeing, you know, vo volumes of records like that again. That um, I probably, you know, the last couple of months with things, you know, been concentrating on the fairs. It's kind of nice to get get back into that into a, in a big way um but yeah hope you have a great day oh goodness so within 24 hours i've seen the two sides of what it's like buying a blind collection well, as well as this scottish one which arrives tomorrow night which i'm very excited about for the jazz fusion and prog and folk i bought a indie collection um in the midlands during the week and i had the help of a friend to collect it pack it and send it down and they arrived and when i opened up the box i was super excited because it had the sundays and the smiths and great morrissey he's a twat and uh, loads of others just really really good good uh, late 80s early 90s indie and then took some photos put them on twitter and i got some messages from people asking requests sundays etc and then as soon as i start to play them you're like ah 
mold and that crackle that comes with a collection of records that have been stored in a garage or a shed or a loft and they've all got to go after the cleaners and you know with the hope that we'll be able to just get them to a VG hopefully some of VG plus and uh, yeah it's uh, yeah it's heartbreaking and now I'm, I'm all of a sudden quite worried about what's going to turn up tomorrow although admittedly the collection I saw in Scotland they looked like they've been stored inside so on hopes that it's not been uh, damp but yeah I'm just working my way through it's all a bit depressing I didn't pay a tremendous amount for these records and in fact actually I'm likely going to give the guy a little bit more because I did really um, was cautious and I was right to be cautious but there's still good profit to be made even when I do have to clean them all but yeah isn't it funny 24 hours ah the, the curse of the late 80s and 90s vinyl that strikes again I mean you just kind of never know even records from that time which were kept you know nicely um, just because the industry kind of thought we don't really care about this format you know they it can be a little bit of a minefield really um, you know from inner sleeve that scuff those records and um, you know don't make them an enjoyable listening experience it can be hard but then they go for great money um but yeah I, 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 I put a needed needed clean on all of those should should help and you know they're all always massively in demand um you know it's it's uh it's you know you're never gonna lose on on things and and sometimes if they are a bit less less so it means people can buy them who you know just want it what whatever condition it's in um so they're going to be happy with it as well it's not like you know some stuff where you know it's got to be it's got to be excellent because anything below it people just aren't, aren't interested on some really common common records but yeah um yeah it's it's a tough one buying blind i, I guess and you know even though you know you you, you don't really know until you until you take, get everything home um but how it's going to how it's going to clean up and um you know at least when you're actually looking at them in in the flesh and doing the deal you can kind of go um you know this is going to take me a few more man hours really um you know and, and factor that in but yeah good um you know good on you for obviously um thinking yeah i can i can offer a little bit more on these because of what's there that's always very you know that's very very fair and reason a reasonable thing to do you're a, obviously a very good man there joel jp we have come to that time as I'm dancing from one troop train to another. Nothing exciting this time, just off to do some appointments for my other job. But we have come to that time, we've been speaking for about a month and I wanted to thank you for sharing with me not just your messages and your stories, but your vast knowledge on vinyls and records. I have learned so much, so thank you. Um, it also gives me an opportunity for me to ask you to plug yourself one more time, what you do, where people can buy records from you. And finally, if we were to meet at, say, the Broodnell Record Fair in Leeds, and you were to recommend one record, and it so happens to be one there for sale, what would you recommend? Let me know. Hopefully one day that will happen. But thanks again. You take good, good care. And I'm very sure that I'll see you about on my travels hey joel well I, thanks 
ever so much for asking me to come on your podcast. Um, just wanted to say um, thank you. And also just to say um, how refreshing it is to, um, you know, read your posts on a regular basis. Now, if you were to buy a, re- if you would, if I were to recommend a record, well, now that is, it's, it should be an easier question than it is, but I've just completely chosen something at random that's on my shelves that I that I love, um, and I think you may well like it. It's by a band uh, called El Goodo, and it um, well, it originally came out about ten years ago, and then a couple of years ago they brought it out on vinyl for the very first time. It's their album Coyote, and if you're into kind of you know, 60s-influenced music it is an absolute killer LP. It really is really good. It's one of those that anybody who buys bits and pieces uh, like myself, um, you know, you know, I will always go, you know, yeah, the, some old records, you know, old records are fantastic, but you really won't say this. So I would go with El Goodo and Coyote if it was at the Broodnell Record Fair, which is uh, happening on... Sunday, May the 7th. So who knows if you're about, Joel, it'd be good to catch up with you there. I'll speak to you soon anyway. Take care. And there you have it. Thank you, John Paul Craven, for joining me this month for the two-parter. Wow. Um, Go find John Paul online. Go buy records at his record fairs. I, I really need to get up to Leeds and do so myself. Uh, I'd also like to thank Frank Cinelli for all the music. All the music you'd heard was written, produced and released by Frank, another legend. Uh, And the final legend, Yuri Kono, thank you so much for all your help with the editing. Uh, I'm Joel. Um, I've said my shop name far too many times already, but you can find me online. You know, click a button, swipe, do what you need to do. And I'll be back with episode three sooner than you think.